Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So we're taking a short break. Last week, um, I, I introduced John 1, and as I was preparing for us to jump into 1 John chapter 2, I went, oh my goodness, this is not fitting for mothers. So I had to call an audible. So today we are talking about people of gratitude, people of gratitude. So we're taking a short break from that, but I do feel at a little bit of a disadvantage today because first of all, my wife declined my invitation to speak today. Um, she felt that, um, that it was a cliche for the pastor's wife to speak on Mother's Day, and uh, that makes her sound very X-Gen. Uh, for you, that's the Generation X that, you know, they are going against. <laughs> so she's like, I'm out. I was like, fine. And then to make it worse, uh, my family's here. And so normally that's a good thing, but any embellishment, uh, any story that I would want to tell, they will correct me. Um, and they would be the first to do it, which is actually why, uh, and, and it's one of the greatest arguments for why Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, is that if your own brothers are going to write a book in the Bible and believe that you are, in fact, the Messiah, that's saying something. That's saying something. My point is, is that my brother and my sister would be the first to call me out. And that's true. And that, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and this is why I am at a, dis, uh, a disadvantage. So, but I, I do have a couple advantages today, and, and one being is that I am a little bit of a specialist on mothers. You might not know this, but I am. Uh, one, um, a major qualifier uh, to, be, um, to, to, to be a professional or a specialist is that you have to have one, and I've succeeded at that. I have a mother. That is the first qualifier. Number two, I am married to one, which then also uh, gives me some support on being a specialist on mothers. And number three, I know other mothers. So when you look at any other field uh, of being a specialist on something, I am succeeding on all these. So I do, I do have a little bit of a platform on mothers. And as a specialist and a self-proclaimed authority on mothers... Um, I would like to help you, and some of you, I'm going to help you have a meaningful and successful Mother's Day, um, and this is going to be for all of us. So men, um, sons, daughters, I want you to listen up. I'm going to help you, okay? So first of all, these are, this was a British survey, and 40% of moms have received unwanted gifts on Mother's Day. So here are a few, and so if you have provided any of these, I want you to start over, okay? Um, deodorant. A fire extinguisher. It's getting worse, friends. Just wait. Uh, cleaning supplies. A stick of French bread. I don't know how that got in there. Salad dressing. Popcorn. Ants. I'm thinking maybe an ant farm. Um, hair dye. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm just internal thoughts. I'm trying to stop them. Okay. Screwdriver. Toilet roll, calculator, car parts. So we see that these are not good. So I'm going to give you a couple of visual things. Um, and so I'm just going to try and point you into a direction, help disciple you um, as followers of Christ on how to be uh, a little bit more respectful on this, on this lovely day. So let's uh, go look at our, the first picture. Jackie, if you could help me out, please. 
So this is a card. I got you this card because it matches your hair, okay? Do not get this card for Mother's Day. This is a do not, okay? Big capital letters, not. All right? Next one, please. I'm awesome. You're welcome. Happy Mother's Day to the luckiest mom. Okay? So congratulations. You've raised a narcissist, okay? That's what this card is saying. Okay, next one. Well, I guess this Mother's Day card is late. Looks like somebody wasn't raised properly. <laughs> my mother, my, I'm sorry, my wife did not like that one. Okay, next one. Mom, thanks for always checking up on me. And it says 24 missed calls on there. Okay, what should we not do? Mom, I love you loads. Okay, we know where this is going. Speaking of loads, can you do my laundry? Yeah, yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Many thanks for the free womb and board. We know a dad wrote that one, no doubt about it. <clears throat> you may have carried me for nine months, but you will always carry me financially. <laughs> I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. I pray that you've had a, we'll have a terrific day today as you remember and cherish and think of the women in your life that have impacted you uh, greatly. You know, I cannot speak to Christians everywhere, but I will say that my goal today is that we leave here today um, consciously being people of gratitude. That we leave here consciously being people of gratitude and that we strive to live a lifetime of gratitude. Not just in, in the moment today and not just um, for our mothers right now, but we live lives of gratitude. Now, a number of months ago, we spent a great deal of time on mental health, and we called it mind games. And it's so interesting what the studies and statistics have shown with helping in the area of gratitude when it comes to even the areas of mental health. Brene Brown, I, I noticed, just has a uh, Netflix um, original out about some of the awareness she's brought to this um, great topic. And so we talked about this at length, and I'm going to go over a few extra things about it. Harvard Health talks about, in, uh, in there was a positive psychology uh, research, and gratitude is strongly and consistently associated associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. There were 411 people studied, and they'd had a, a weekly assignment as they were doing these studies on gratitude. And they were to, these 411 people were to write a thank you to people they had never thanked for something that they had done. And when they had done that, what they found was that the people that had received these that had been thanked and shown gratitude for something they had never been thanked before. They said that the moods and things changed for over a month from people being aware of others who have impacted their lives and shown gratitude. They found um, from the emotion study in 2014, it increases new relationships, gratitude does. Gratitude improves physical health. That's from 2012, personality and individual differences. Gratitude improves psychological health. Uh, PhD Robert A. Emmons talked about this as a gratitude researcher. 
Gratitude increases our empathy, the University of Kentucky. Gratitude gives us better sleep, and that's applied psychology by 2011. It, gratitude improves self-esteem. This was a journal of applied sports psychology in 2014, and it increases mental strength. And there were tons of studies that have talked about mental strength, and they did these tests on Vietnam vets. And it was outstanding results when they started practicing and working on gratitude, what happened to their mental health over a long period of time. There is actually a sin of ingratitude, and we're going to look at that right now. But after just my time of reading and praying on this, what I've learned is that we are actually ripping ourselves off more than we are not, when we're not showing gratitude towards others. Yes, you know, it has a great and profound impact on others. But it actually comes back, and this is just how sin is, is that it ends up coming and doing more damage to us when we think we are fulfilling a need or something that we want because we're being selfish with something. In Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he had saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no other returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise again and go. Your faith has made you well, this story should shock us. It should shock us. I, I, I read this and I think, really, Lord? Nine out of ten, 90% of people are not showing gratitude? Is this, could this even possibly be true? And, and first, I just want to paint a little bit of, of a picture here. I mean, leprosy now, it, it, it can be healed, okay? It's, it's a bacteria and it's, it's an infection, okay? So these are things that can actually be remedied today. But at that time, there was no remedy. And then the reason why that it said that they were standing at, at a distance is that this is Mosaic law. They were actually, they had to say, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. They, they had to make sure that nobody else would be able to get sick, be able to get leprosy. And what would happen to them, because of course it was left untreated, is that it always would work towards the outer extremities first. And so as a kid, I always thought, wow, it makes your limbs fall off. But that's not actually what happens. It deadens your nerves, and so you can't feel anything anymore. So then you might smash something, you might have a rock in your shoe, and then the repetition over and over again will just start eating it away, because you can't feel anything and what it, what it would do to the face. I mean, they were actually very deformed, and they would cover themselves because of what this would do to them. And so I, I, I don't want to just say there was this healing of leprosy. This was a, a huge, huge disease that impacted their lives in so many areas. This was a very big di disease. And what is so interesting, and Jesus points out him being a Samaritan, is that there were 10 people and they were different nationalities. They had different backgrounds. They had different areas of education. And you know what? 
the level was flat. All of a sudden, these differences didn't matter as much anymore. It, it makes me think of our uh, superintendent, Pastor Clarence St. John, who um, is no longer our superintendent, but he used to say, at the cross, the level is flat. When we bow our knees at the cross, we're all at the same level. And we all have a form of leprosy, don't we? Which is why we need Jesus. This is exactly why we're here. We're not here as a, a people that are proud that have something to show. We are a people that are broken. We are a people of great need who is coming to our healer and saying, Lord, we depend on you. Lord, have pity on us as we worship, as we lift up your name. These 10 lepers should have felt God's love like few had ever experienced. Think of what they were rescued from. They received a healthy body, restoration to society, and readmission into the sanctuary, which in this day and age was everything. They received everything in that moment of healing. How did Jesus find him? Sick, slowly dying. How did Jesus leave them? Healed and whole. What was nine out of ten of their responses? Selfish and ungrateful. Ninety percent were guilty of the sin of ingratitude. And little did they know that it was affecting them. The scripture does say, to the one that showed gratitude to God for this miracle. He said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Or that word in the Greek means saved. This one received a gift that the others totally missed. Now, I can't say with all certainty that he was the only one that received salvation with this, but there was something Drastic, and there was something life-changing that this Samaritan, this foreigner received that the others totally missed out on. And as people of gratitude, because I'm just saying it because that's what we're going to walk in, as people of gratitude, we do not want to miss out on any blessing. Like the song we sang, we're not coming for blessing, right? We're coming to worship you, God. But you know what? I don't want to miss out on any blessings. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out. It's really easy to cry out in our distress, and that's why we relate with the book of Psalms, right? Man, we, man when we're struggling, it's so easy to relate. I mean, here, here are some Psalms 55, 17. Evening and morning and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Psalms 39, 12. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner in a strange land as my ancestors were. Psalms 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Psalms 28, 6, praise be the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. Psalms 28, 2, hear my cry for mercy as I call out to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Psalm 17, 1, hear me, Lord. Hear my pleas. Just, Lord, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. 
we can easily cry out to God, and we do it regularly. Would you put up that quote for me? I also have this in the bulletin this morning along with the scripture that we're using. I, didn't, I couldn't find uh, where this quote was from, but I read it, and it was just, it was really powerful. Affliction quickens to prayer, but those who remember God in their distresses often forget him in their deliverances. Just like the nine lepers, it was easy to cry out, Father, Father, have, have mercy. Jesus, have, have pity on us in their distress. In their distress, but once they were delivered, only one returned. Second Kings 5, 1 through 16. I'm just, you don't have time to go through all the verses, so I'm just going to catch you up on what's going on. There's this guy named Naaman, and he was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man. He was a, a valiant and strong soldier. He was highly regarded by this king. Aram. And one of the people they had captured from Israel, so you can tell that they're not necessarily friends with Israel. So they had captured this, this um, young girl, and this girl said to Naaman, hey, I see that you have leprosy, and there is a prophet in Israel that can help heal you. So they go to this, they, they send a letter to Israel, and the king totally lost his mind. So now he's thinking that King Aram is going to do something to Israel. And then the king of Israel says, what am I, some kind of a god that I can, can heal him? And this is where it picks up in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and I will uh, know that he is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went up with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parpar, Farpar, sorry, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Now, what I want us to look at is the change in Naaman. First of all, he says, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except Israel. This is his response. He is presented with a new truth, and it changes his life and behavior right there. Secondly, this is what he says. He says, for when my master enters the temple of Rimon, so of course he's going back to his country, and he knows now that he is going to be forced to go in these temples of other gods. He says, for when I am enter with my master in the temple of Rimon to bow down when he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. 
Naaman understands that he is going back. And in this, he understands that there are other gods that are not like the God of Israel. And so he is now pleading to Elisha and he's saying, can you forgive me for this one thing? Now, Naaman understands something that we don't today. And somehow, we have found ways to be able to pick and embrace other religions and take them on and say it's okay. Naaman knew better. And he rejected it. He was not ignorant to this. Thirdly, for your servant will never again make a burnt offering and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. His demeanor totally changed. He went from an angry tirade. I mean, you think of it. Here, he is, he is a, a man, a distinguished man. He is a valiant warrior. He comes to this other land that they have, have you know, captured people with. He comes and he's humbling himself to go before this other prophet of another god and the other prophet doesn't even come down to look at him. And so now he's mad. And he's used to, you know, the, the, the seers to come out and to do and present and to, you know, maybe cut themselves and to make blood happen and cry out to the gods. And the power of God was shown by Elisha sending a servant down and just saying, tell him all he has to do is go into the Jordan. He knew Naaman knew that that was not a clean lake. There is nothing magical about that lake at all. It had everything to do with obedience to God. And this, this is what's really important here. There are some of you that can't stand your jobs. There are some of you that, that you are... Jane, I wasn't talking to you. And there, there, are, <laughs> there, are, there are some of you that are in positions that you are looking at your boss and you're thinking, I deserve their job. Why don't I have it? I want you to look at the influence that these people had on Naaman. The only reason why he went to the Jordan, the only reason why he was healed, the only reason why the name of God of Israel was glorified in this other kingdom is because the people around him said, you need to listen to him. You have influences and you are in places that you have been appointed by God to direct and to move people's heads. So let me repeat the changes quickly here in Naaman after this miracle. One, he recognizes there is one true God. If you know the Old Testament, you know that's pretty important. One God. Two, he was greatly concerned about offending the one true God. Total heart change. Number three, he had total inward and outward behavior change. He was not going back to his old ways. Even though he was angry in the beginning, God's love came in, compassion came in, and gratitude. Again, just like the ten lepers, the one that came back was not a citizen of Israel. Naaman was not an Israelite, yet God answered his cry and responded with gratitude that pleased God. Just as the leprosy or sin, neither of them are respecters of people. It will devour whoever embraces it. So is the great love of our God, regardless of our upbringing. This is such a picture of 
people who were never raised in church or never raised as a Christian or have no background of understanding that it doesn't matter to God. God looks at you. God loves you. He sees you. And he says, you are my son and you are my daughter. And when you call out to God, when you say his name, when you say, Lord, I believe what you've done. I believe that, that you died for my sins, that you were resurrected. I'm putting my, my heart and my faith to you. He is now calling you an heir. You are adopted into the body of Christ. So what does this say about us? That we're fairly naturally ungrateful people? That we forget quickly? Is that fair to say, friends? Let's be people of gratitude. When's the last time you thanked your mom? When's the last time you thanked people who've had deep impacts of your life? Can we be people of gratitude? Not only is it a trait that God admires and expects from his people, but it literally changes us. It literally changes us. Pastor Callie, would you come up and play quietly? We're going to do a little exercise today before we leave. Um, We had an all-church prayer night in the first Sunday of of the month, and we were down here, and, and we were praying, and there was a, um, just a young person that had come to my mind that um, a couple of us in the church had some interactions with, and I, I, just, I just had a really, you know, great talk, and I, I brought the name up as we were around and praying. I just said, you know, I, I just really think we need to pray for this person, and a couple that was also with us, uh, John and Linda, they had, in a city of over 70,000 people and way more probably that actually shop here in a place of business interacted with the exact same person. And they had an opportunity to share with this exact same person. So I'm, I'm here and I'm thinking, well, I thought that just randomly came to my mind. But apparently, God had another plan here today. So in, in this moment of us praying and praying for each other, praying for our church and, and, and just wherever the, the Holy Spirit led us, all of a sudden, can you imagine our moods changed? Now, did any one of us pat ourselves on the back and think about, wow, we're pretty great? Are you kidding me? We stopped what we were doing. We raised our hands up towards heaven and we began to thank God for him just giving us a little glimpse of the type of work that he does every single day. What were our hearts doing? We are being people of gratitude, living a lifetime or doing our best to live a lifetime of gratitude, knowing that when we look to heaven and we give him thanks and glory, that there is a blessing, amazing blessing of being saved. Would you please stand with me today? What I want us to do is I'm going to just take a minute right now. 
What are you grateful for? Maybe, maybe it's something that you've never actually thanked God for. In all of your life, you have never thanked God for this. Maybe it's something you thank God for every day because you know you hold it so dear to you. I'm just going to take a moment right now and believe the Holy Spirit will just kind of bring something to your mind. I want you to say it out loud. Lord, I am thankful for that you've done. We thank you for the amazing blessings that you've given to us. Lord, forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for looking at others and desiring more than, than we have. Help us to be thankful. Lord, help us to be thankers. Help us to, to look at others and to be able to thank Lord Jesus. Humble us, O oh God. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.